This is the Herbalist Without Borders Herbal Action Podcast, connecting you to our community herbalists and health justice activists. HWB is a nonprofit devoted to providing compassionate, holistic care to communities in need. We believe that healthcare is a right, not a privilege. I'm Denise Cusack, Executive Director of Herbalist Without Borders. Ola Obasi is the owner of the Well of Indigenous Wisdom School and Omaroti, an herb and well-being shop opening in Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. Ola has been working in the wellness field for over 15 years. Ola is also chapter coordinator of Herbalist Without Borders International Puerto Rico, hosting free people's clinics across the island since Hurricane Maria. Ola focuses on education and awareness of important contributions of herbal practice and formulae by people of indigenous heritage. Originally from Africa, she's lived in Puerto Rico since 2015. Welcome, Ola, and thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, Denise, for having me once again. Yeah, I always love talking to you. So tell us a little bit about life in Puerto Rico post Maria, you know, recovery, resilience, and how daily life is for those in rural and urban areas. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, life in Puerto Rico right now is, um, we're still recovering. It's, we're just about exactly a year anniversary since Hurricane Maria. Um, and, we're looking at other hurricanes coming across the ocean right now as well. Um, I, I heard there's one actually headed for the Philippines and we all know the one um, going to the Carolinas or having gone through the Carolinas. So um, we are, we are uh, still rebuilding and still, um, we're still, repair healing our uh trauma from from the hurricane and i must mention that you know uh the hurricane brought up a lot of these issues trauma and the realization of our colonial status here um so there there are many things that the hurricanes brought to the forefront for us to be proactive about like not wanting to be under colonial status or how being under colonial status has kept us from receiving the proper um the proper finances or the proper attention to repairing our the island but it's also brought solidarity because now we're saying okay well since nobody's going to help us then we need to help ourselves so there's more of a community solidarity and connections people are resilient and and creating their own ways to survive and to live here happily yeah and yeah. that's a beautiful thing to see it is mm -hmm. so how are all of the businesses doing after the hurricane i know you're opening an herbal shop but you know first tell us about your coursework your internships and everything yeah. that you're offering right now okay well, I'm just going to have my second class um, that I, ha I think I will have about six or seven students uh, coming up at the end of this month. I already have a first class uh, with the Well of Indigenous Wisdom School. Uh, my school is on, uh, it teaches herbal medicine. However, I really, really focus on the healing aspects of herbalism or healing aspects, uh, period. Um, for me, healing is about 
you know, connecting with our DNA, with the substance of life, and where trauma has happened there, or where, um, you know, pain is lodged there for so many years intergenerationally. Um, you know, so we explore that with my school. And of course, herbalism and herbal herbs being a gateway to healing. Um, and then establishing within my students the fact that we are earth keepers. We need to be cautious and responsible people on the planet to take care, guardians, you know, if you will, to take care of our planet. And that's not just the herbs, but it's also the waters and the animals that help to pollinate or to carry and feed our, our planet. Um, so I'm really proud that I have more students in the second class coming up. My, my school is an 18-month course. I mostly want to work with locals, so I'm teaching a lot of locals. I do have apprentices who do come through and will st and stay with me um, for for 18 months, or they can come, you know, every six months because there are breaks every six months. Um, I also do mentorship, so sometimes I've had uh, people who are folks who are interested in, you know, they've already learned a lot about herbs but they want more or they just want a little more something extra uh, or a flavor that I offer and they'll they can stay with me for a week or a couple of weeks but all this stuff is on my website um, and as far as the shop Omaroti Omaroti in Taino means little moon it's my name in Taino I was adopted Taino here on the island and I, um, uh, the shop Omaroti is in the Plaza of Mayagüez here in, in the west coast of Puerto Rico. And uh, it's a shop that specializes in herbal medicine and well-being, full stop. Well-being is everything in the planet that creates good beings, well-beings, uh, from, you know, incenses to crystals to, you know, body care that's good for you. Um, to spiritual things, I, I'll be doing uh, divinations there um, in the form of tarot um, and other forms of divination. I I have come from a lineage of of, a, of the priesthood in in Nigeria, um, and so uh, for those people, particularly on the island, who are familiar with the Yoruba tradition, um, they would be coming to me to consult. Um, within that tradition, within that indigenous tradition. There's a lot of Puerto Ricans who are of Yoruba and Congo descent and continue to practice in the spiritual uh, traditions of those, those lineages. So businesses as a whole are, I'm seeing businesses come up and I'm happy to see like food vans, for instance, that are thriving. Um, we have a, there's a food van right next to my shop that's called Arepas. And it's a Venezuelan family. It's just awesome watching them work together and uh, create this really delicious food. Um, arepas, it's kind of like a maize uh, sandwich with um, stuff with chicken or with, you know, vegetables, guacamole, different things. It's really delicious. We sit outside. They play really nice music, you know, Caribbean style, reggae, different things. And it's just people are smiling and it's good to see this intergenerational family working in this little food van and thriving. I'm happy to support them. So I'm seeing things like that. I'm seeing, again, a lot of food 
opening. I'm seeing, um, you know, even social places like just bars, clubs um, opening up as well. But Mayaguez is a student, it's a college town. So there's going to be more of that, more of the food and night scene. <laughs> and of course, um, having uh, something like Omaroti is nice too, because students are also looking to explore their spirituality. Um, not to mention that Omaroti will also have conscious books, which is um, very hard to find on the island. Books on Puerto Rican history, uh, books on you know traditional medicine, Puerto Rican traditional medicine, things like that. Indigenous traditional you know indigenous medicine uh, or spirituality. So things are coming up. There are some businesses coming up, um, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It shows mm -hmm. that people are, we know the people are resilient, but it shows that yeah. they're adapting and yeah. something yeah. new out of. Yes. Yeah. But that's here in Mayaguez, you know, I mean, if you go to other parts of the island, um, I just want to mention that, you know, uh, that, you know, there's some parts of the island that seem to do economically better than others. Of course, San Juan, Mayaguez, Rincon, uh, maybe even Ponce. Um, but if you, you know, if we're talking about going to Tuado or some other spaces, there may be, or Arasivo, which I've been there and it's not as, it's not thriving that well, you know, it's a little slow at coming back. And I've seen businesses just close permanently and the families moved. Um, there are places where I would buy plants, for instance, like, you know, outdoor gardens, jardins, um, they're done. And I'm so sad to see that there's one on the way to Hayuya that I used to go to. Um, they're not opening up ever again. Um, everything's destroyed. The wood is exactly the way Maria left it. And, you know, it's, a hard, it's hard to look at that, you know, and remember the customer service and the plants and what it was like before. And now it's just whatever Maria left. Right. Yeah. For you, though, um, you mentioned you now have a rental apartment space where you host visiting volunteers that can help you support the yes. free people's clinics and for students yeah. taking courses. Can you tell us yeah. more about that? Yeah, sure. So I live in a house um, that has a little apartment. Uh, it's actually two bedroom apartments, not that little, but it's, um, it's connected to the house, but with a different uh, separate uh, um, entry and exit. And, you know, it's got its own uh, amenities. Um, I think there are two bathrooms. I know there are two bathrooms and, uh, uh, a kitchen, you know, nice back porch that's shared with my house. And I actually have an apprentice who'll be staying with me for a year and a half. Uh, she'll be staying there. And, but there's plenty of room for, uh, you know, individuals that, who are, want to come and volunteer for the Free People's Clinic or who just want to work with me um, as far as apprenticeships or mentorships. Um, or just visit, you know, visit the island and contribute, however, through other connections or my connect, a connection with me or other connections that they might have in humanitarian arenas. Um, but I would like to attract that kind of person to the apartment, persons who are interested in humanitarian work, persons who are interested in learning um, about another culture and being humble and open to to learning and receiving, receiving, you know, course on 
the culture here and the traditions here. Uh, my plan is uh, always, you know, with whoever may be coming in um, to teach at least one course on decolonizing, what it means to decolonize the mind, you know, period, um, as far as herbalism as well, but also just in general, like how to have the lens of a person who is, you know, decolonized from our education system, Western education system, Western lifestyle has often, um, you know, groomed us to, uh, you know, to not see that there there are behaviors and mentalities that are actually colonial, that are not um, welcome in societies like here in Puerto Rico, or anymore at least. You know, and there can be they could be political or economical and social, particularly. But we just want to bring more awareness to people how to behave in different cultures, how to perceive in different cultures. And if they're here as herbalists, what, how to also perceive as herbalists, you know, how to decolonize herbalism. Um, exactly. Yeah, so it's important, very, very important. I did a conference in Oregon on um, reductionism and, de you know, just deconstructing reductionism in herbal medicine as far as the science part of herbalism. And it's very similar in a similar vein of just, you know, what does a reductionist paradigm look like? <laughs> you know, it's not holistic at all. It cuts off stuff, you know, and kinds of controls and says, this is perfect because I say so. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's such an important topic everywhere. But in particular, when you're working in places like Puerto Rico, if people from the outside come in, um, mm -hmm. I know that you focus first on herbal education for islanders and native Puerto Ricans. Mm -hmm. So that kind of ties into that. So tell us why it's important to build a local economy, mm -hmm. local skills, and how that impacts your classes and your work. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I don't know about you as a herbalist, but for me, Herbalism is community work, and as a herbalist, I feel, okay, here I am as a herbalist in the, in the community, and it's my responsibility to hold that space, and people come to me with a lot of personal stories or testimonies um, that they trust me with, and I, I am trustworthy. Um, and this, me, as the same person with all those stories, could easily destroy people, right? Because, right. <laughs> you know, if I, if I wanted to, and which I would not never do that, but um, what I'm trying to say is that uh, we need to, I, I as a herbalist feel responsible to gain trust with people and to help people feel people who need healing or seeking healing. And we all, we, every single individual on the planet always needs someone to trust, someone to go to. We all have problems or feel vulnerable at a time in our life or get embarrassed about something. And, you know, we need to feel we can rely on someone and um, establishing that rapport with people is, is important to me and especially as a teacher or as a leader. So uh, I choose to work 
but predominantly with locals for that reason, because it's, there's an intimacy, there's a personable relationship, um, and that bond and that trust beyond these are the notes, uh, do this homework, um, you know, kind of relationship. There is, you know, oh, I saw you in the market yesterday, but you look sad, or oh, Ola, I need to talk to you. Um, something, something is happening with me. Can I come over to your house? You know, there is, there's the in-between personable um, events that happen in our life that, that develop a bond. And it, that is community service to me. So that's why I choose to work with locals um, because they're in my community. And I know that if something were to happen to me or if I needed them, let's say, you know, I'm tired of working at the shop or I want to give it away that they would be the ones to take over because they've also developed that trust and that bond with me. So there's this interactive relationship that um, is, there's a, it's a foundation, it's creating a foundation. Um, that's why I choose to work with locals predominantly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with your classes, you focus on, um, your early herbal classes, you focus both on herbalism and spirituality. Can you mm -hmm. tell us more about why that's important to you and how that mm -hmm. is involved with herbalism? Mm -hmm. Well, um, as I had mentioned with herbalism, you know, deconstructing reductionism in herbalism, I've seen, um, you know, herbalism practice as, as some people practice herbalism more on a pharmaceutical paradigm, you know, take echinacea for flu you know, uh, take fever fuel for a migraine headache. And uh, we all both know that, you know, there are many other things fever fuel can do as well as echinacea. So, uh, you know, and then there's the holism aspect of plant medicine where, you know, um, you don't just, because there's that herbalism of, you know, this capsule, or let's see, um, let's see, uh, curcumin, for instance, you know, from curcuma, from turmeric. Um, as a constituent of turmeric, but uh, as for me, I think that it could work for some cases, maybe a severe liver damage or hepatitis or something like that for a short period of time. But I really believe that the curcumin needs its other constituents in turmeric to really optimally work in the body. So um, I, I feel that, you know, it's important to perceive life holistically. And if we practice herbalism without considering and honoring the magic and the mysticism that has created these plants and brings these plants back, brings these plants growing in cracks, in abandoned places, um, create these colors. Have you ever seen the flower of, of uh, passion flower? My goodness, it's, it's like a 3D flower, you know, and then seeing how its fruit comes out of the flower, um, looking at the colors, the tenderness, and yet the resilience of, of the flower itself. This, this, our science cannot describe this with enough words. I can only speak to this as something spiritual. It moves my spirit when I see this. I feel like emotional. I feel such happiness and joy that I want to cry. And 
that to me is a spiritual experience that this plant is communicating with me. It's invisible, unseen. That in itself is mystical. And that spiritual, spirituality is, is um, I can't really even define that, but it's um, in one sentence. <laughs> but I say, I, I think it's mystical. I think it's the mysticism, the things, that, the, the things we cannot describe. And plant medicine has a lot of mystery. There's a lot of spirit in plant medicine. There are many parts to the plant we can describe or why it does certain things. Um, we can only speculate some of them. So um, we can keep asking, and yes, but why? Oh, okay, we answer that. But why? We keep answering that. But why? We keep answering that, you know? I mean, we could say that with all of life too. But in herbalism, because we're using these, the mystical aspects of these plants that grow in our world mystically, and then we're making medicine, which in itself is a mystical process, at least for me, it's a spiritual process, um, because I am now capturing the medicine that I have and the medicine the plant has to deliver it to this individual who has come to me and trusted me. So to me, that's a very spiritual uh, relationship between me, the plant, and the person. So that's why herbalism is very spiritual to me. And that's why it's very important to, to teach that to my students, to teach about spirit. That's beautiful. Mm. It yes. is. Yes, it, <laughs> is. <laughs> it is. I know, you almost made me cry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because it is. It's, uh, it's bigger than us. Yes, it is. It is that spirit and those yes. tears you feel or you feel coming through are, it's not like you're sad. It's just it's that it's, spirit touching so you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel that when I go out and look at my plants and I see certain things, I just, I just cry. I just want, you know, I feel so happy. I want to cry, you know, yeah. just so moved. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. So in kind of, switching from the beauty and wonder of uh, the herbal world. So yeah. I know that you've been traveling around the island um, mm -hmm. and you've been hosting Free People's Clinic since Hurricane Maria. You've been to Hayuya, Mayagues, Huacao, Vieques, uh, Ponce. Can you tell us some more about the Free, the Free People's Clinics and your work around the island? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I yet have to, I'm um, making connections with Vieques. I haven't been there yet, but I hear there's a big need there. Um, so I'm going to be on my way there at some time soon, as soon as I get a connection. I just want to say that sometimes getting connections with people is very, very slow here on the island. We're on island time. Um, and, you know, just sort of like getting things done is really, really slow. But since, uh, since, yes, since Hurricane Maria, most of my energy has been in Hayuya. Um, I have had the Ponce, Humacao, and Humacao, and my relationship with Humacao is very strong. We want to start to do clinics there often. Um, and of course, Mayagua is where I am, where I just stay at the plaza and, and have people come to me. So it's still slow in Mayagua too. I think the clinic in Hayuya has been the, my favorite and most successful clinic there. Um, and so I guess, uh, you know, these, these clinics are uh, 
clinics that people look forward to because they haven't had uh, either access to to anything. You know, this is really people's medicine. They're really sitting there and telling you their stuff. You know, of course, with the gain of trust. So, um, you know, it's something that people are looking for. There's a lot of ther therapeutic, uh, a therapeutic moment, even if it's 15, 20 minutes together. It's a therapeutic moment, but it's really, really exhausting. Because <laughs> sometimes I could have at least um, 15, 20 people. And after that, I'm just tired. I just want to go home. It's done. And it's back. I don't take breaks because I, I just feel, unless I've got to go to the restroom or something, I, I just like to keep it going and going and going. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> No, it, but it, I know it's it's been so much work, but I know that it's also so important it, to you yeah. to be mm -hmm. with people and reach people. And um, and I understand that, not taking a break, but I also understand that it can be fatigue and tiring and overwhelming at times, especially, mm -hmm. you know, when you see the kind of issues that are ongoing with people still this long after Maria, I'm sure mm -hmm. it must be. Um, tiring yeah. but it's just it's a really important and amazing work and so I just yeah uh, the clinic in Humacao has been a very sad experience and I'm still um, working on you know I, I of course clean myself after working on, in these clinics because energetically clean myself that's what I mean like right. I need to eat well grounding foods and just you know clean up because it can be so much because, you know, you take people's stories. Like, I still have the stories um, in my head in, from Humacao. Um, and there's a lot of cancer in Humacao. A lot. A lot of cancer. You know, everybody's got, everybody's sitting next to me. So it's so funny. Hayuya, there's a lot, I, the themes overall, of course, not every single person. But in Hayuya, overall theme is abuse. A lot of young mothers who are abused by their spouses. So I'm working with that energy and then they'll have like gastritis or pop, heart, pop, you know, uh, anxiety, uh, signs of anxiety and can't sleep, you know, insomnia. And then um, in Humacao, it's mostly cancer. So then you've got people who are having immune issues or pain issues and, you know, all these things or just need a nutritional, nutritional, up, you know, um, supplement. And then you've got the Ponce clinic where most of the people seem to be more in like tension, you know, very, and depression too. A lot of depression and tension um, in the body. Every single person, one clinic, every single person sat down and they had their right arm. Yes. Their right shoulder, their right shoulder was hurting every single person they sat down and say well i have this problem with my right shoulder and my right elbow or my right wrist so always 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 and you know when that happens often you start to think hmm. and they would just keep repeating the same symptoms of the last person and i'm just you know it's so interesting to see these themes in these different sections of of the of um of these clinics on the island I'm looking forward to Vieques. I know there's a real, real need there. And Vieques, if any of the listeners know, has gone through a history of radiation. So I'm assuming there'll be cancer and different things there, but right. 
Um, yeah, it was a te bomb it, testing site. It was a bomb testing site. And so food may be still contam contaminated. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, with all of the, you know, everything that's happened in Puerto Rico and your work, people are always asking how to help, how to help Puerto Rico, how to volunteer. So how mm -hmm. can people best support and aid Puerto Rico? You know, with Herbalists Without Borders, we want to focus on like non-colonizing, anti-oppressive, you know, mm -hmm. supporting and respecting the Puerto Rican culture, language, indigenous knowledge, um, mm -hmm. and the island autonomy. So what mm -hmm. can people do and how can people help and support? Well, I think work in Puerto Rico. Sure, thank you. Um, well, I, you know, I'm a personable person, so I really do like phone calls um, or, yeah, phone calls, emails, you know, like if people are really serious, they will actually go the next step and make that call or make, send a personal email to me. Um, so I really ask people to, to sit down and connect with what they, what their desires are and connect with me. And then we will have a conversation to understand, uh, whether the connection fits or not, or if there's a need to, um, definitely do a class, you know, one of my classes, which I anyway will do, but that's a mandatory thing. You know, I, I do want to teach all volunteers need to understand what anti-oppressive, you know, anti-colonial and all the other things you've mentioned as part of Herbalists Without Borders um, intentions. Right. Um, every, you know, that needs to be taught. So anyway, um, there's not always, it's, it's inconsistent mm -hmm. with the, with the volunteer work. So times, depending on uh, when clinics are going to be established, I can have a calendar out. It doesn't always uh, meet, you know, like people cancel or things happen, but uh, we can definitely connect ahead of time and that way I can prepare for a clinic so that when, when an individual volunteer is coming, we can go definitely to that clinic space. Um, what kind of help do I need? That's such a big question, you know? Uh, because sometimes some help is not help, <laughs> you know, and it just becomes more work for me. So I think more than anything, it's educating oneself on Puerto Rican history, or Puerto Rican culture, making that move to actually connect and see where you uh, would, that individual would fit in, what you want to do to help. And then, because help could be volunteering, help could be coming to spend some time with me and help me make medicines. Help could be um, also financially helping and supporting, maybe, you know, supporting a community that I can take individuals to. Um, help, yeah, help could be um, helping with some infrastructure things that would be aside from, from the herbal part component, the clinical part. Um, so I, again, I think people just need to connect with me and so I can understand what they're able to help with and connect them with the right locations and the right people, communities, because there's also help with gardening. I, I have a community here, uh, in Mayaguez that's, that's doing gardening in the projects. Yeah, that's amazing. 
using the donated seeds from Harvalus Without Borders, right? So those seeds are in Hayuya and they're in Humacao and Mayagüez, so different places. Well, getting fresh food, you know, back to people is, you know, and empowering people with growing their own food is a part yeah. of that too. Of yeah, recovery. I mean, people here are growing their own, their own food. There, are, there's a lot of agriculture here. There's an agricultural movement here, so people understand that food sovereign sovereignty is sovereignty. Period. Any and exactly. so, you know, people are very very aware of that and growing traditional food here local food food that grows here is also quite important to connecting with indigenous food um from from you know ancestors um so i i yeah i hope that people will you know understand that they need to understand what they want to do how they want to volunteer and and then communicate with me so that we can move forward with that. And I can also create a relationship, a bridge with different communities. Right. And it's so important, you know, a lot of people don't realize with Herbalists Without Borders, people who are the volunteers and the chapter coordinators, people are working from their homes. You know, this is yeah. their, their life. People still have families and, and lives and businesses. And, you know, mm -hmm. the free clinics are kind of an extension into communities surrounding mm -hmm. them which is why it's so important that we work in our own communities first yes. but yes. you know i know with puerto rico it's very important too just because what the needs were so great that yes. it can help to have uh, additional support and people but people need to be the right people you yes know? they do they do and that's what people if they're going to reach out and they need to think about if they're the right people and they need to understand why they want to volunteer you know and be very clear with that and be open to what that means for for our chapter here in Puerto Rico. Um, so I think that's the best advice I can give as far as people who want to volunteer. The question is, why do you want to volunteer? Be clear about what you want to volunteer for. It could be a list of five things and then move forward. Exactly. Well, thank you for taking time to speak with us today. This is just, you know, your work is always so inspiring and amazing and i love being able to share you with people <laughs> you know i do i i love it i like so, to share my, i like to share me too <laughs> yeah. i like i like to share you with share us <laughs> yes oh God, that came out in so many different ways but yeah anyway I feel like a plant right now you know just like a like a dandelion flower with my little white <laughs> Yes, let's share. Blow me in the wind. <laughs> yes, we are blowing in the wind. <laughs> yes, blow in the wind. <laughs> yeah. So for everyone, so thank you to Ola Abasi um, and Well of Indigenous Wisdom School and Omaroti um, mm -hmm. for speaking with us today about Puerto Rico and all of your amazing work. So for listeners to learn more about Ola, visit her website at Well in wellofindigenouswisdom.com or find more information about the podcast um, at the blog post about this podcast. We'll have all of Ola's links and info so that you can find out more and get in contact with her if you're interested in um, learning more about her classes, her um, to visiting, you know, Puerto Rico or any of her workshops. Um, she just, you know, she has a lot of amazing work. So I'm sure that everyone will 
be there. <laughs> Whoa, that's a in lot the of wind. people. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blow in the wind. <laughs> yes, <laughs> blow in the wind. They're like all blow here in my yard. <laughs> yes. Oh no, thank oh, you. Really. Thanks, Denise. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. As always, I appreciate you. Thank I appreciate you. you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Herbalist Without Borders. We're a network of herbalists, traditional healers, complementary and alternative medicine clinicians, botanical medicine makers, herb growers, students, and just folks interested in the role of plants and wellness, sustainable agriculture, preservation, and restoration. If you value this content, please go to herbalistwithoutborders.weebly.com to make a donation or join as a member today. Support down to the ground green medicine in your community.